Hello, my little butter beans. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. So I must start this episode with an announcement. Um, I know that we have been doing this special weekend bonus episode uh, weekly, but I've decided for now at least that I want to get back to the true nature of it being a bonus episode. So it's not going to be every week. Uh, it'll probably be more like once a month or every other week, or I'm not sure exactly, but that's what's happening. And I was thinking that I would just tweet out this announcement. And then I thought, no, you people deserve more. You deserve it in episode form. You deserve it straight from my mouth to your ears and God's in there somewhere. And that's what you're getting. You're getting me breaking the news to you gently. And fuck, I wish I had a drop that would be perfect to play right now. And I don't. I'm looking at all the drops I have. Um, oh, 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 hello. Hey, 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 I love you. That's right. This does not mean I don't love you. It does not mean I don't love the fuck out of you. It might mean I love the word fuck, because I've been using it a fucking lot. That was to me. I was giving that one right to myself. Anyway, though, yeah, I just, right now, um, I want to be able to devote time to book and TV projects, but it doesn't mean in the future that I won't add another show, and then another show, and then another show, and be five days a week. Maybe I'll be eight days a week. What's to stop me? But anyway, yeah, I just felt like I wanted to let you guys know that that is what is up. Um, Also, a few other things that I wanted to bring up since I have your ears. A crazy thing. Well, no, first I want to tell you guys this. No, I don't. I want to tell you guys that. I don't know what I want to tell you guys about. Hmm. Thinking, making you wait, getting you all flush with anticipation. Gadget. Um, I am extremely physically uncomfortable right now because I think I mentioned, I know I mentioned, why I'm acting coy. I don't know. I know I mentioned that I'm taking estrogen to prepare for IVF. And along with the estrogen, they recommend taking a baby aspirin which now the name has changed to low-dose aspirin. I don't know why. But anyway, I'm not an aspirin person. I'm an Advil or an Aleve person. But anyway, today's the second day of taking the aspirin, and my face feels really hot and tight and flush. But then I looked in the mirror. Like, I feel like I'm beet red, but I looked in the mirror, and I'm not red at all. So I'm wondering, is this a side effect of aspirin? Let me know, ladies. I'm overdoing the drops. But I don't care. Uh, anyway, the other thing I was going to tell you was that a crazy thing happened on Thursday, which is that I made this whole big announcement of how I'm done censoring myself because, you know, I feel like I've really been holding back and I've been so worried about how what I say is going to be taken and fuck that all and I'm just going to be letting it all out. And then at the very end of that, to punctuate that thought, I had a crazy, crazy coughing fit, which is not unusual for me to have that. This is a thing that has come up on the show repeatedly. In fact, we gave it a name, Fondeleering, for Matt Fondelier, who had a whole coughing attack in the midst of a quiet, poignant moment during Evita. 
Um, but it, it, some people it never happens to, but it will happen to me where all of a sudden for no reason I will begin like choking on my own saliva and it's all always hugely embarrassing. Uh, and then like my eyes start running and my nose starts running and people are always like, are you okay? Are you okay? But the thing is you can't talk or else you'll start coughing more. So I was sick over the weekend and I'm still a little phlegmy, which I know is super sexy. Uh, but I am wondering if that's what caused it. However, then someone was telling me that oftentimes it happens to her when she's feeling anxious or nervous. So I do think it is possible literally and figuratively the events of this year have just caused me to constrict. Like I'm just holding it in maybe physically too. I haven't taken a shit in three months. God, I wish I had like a sexy time chat. <laughs> Drop. Hold on while I peruse all my drops again. Let's see. Um, no, I really don't have anything that would go well with I haven't taken a shit in three months. You know, because it makes you hungry. Anyway, so I had the coughing attack. So then I recovered from the coughing attack, and then I started going into the things that I wanted to say. And then my friend Dustin, who I've been friends with forever, made did this weird gesture that confused me, which is that he pointed to his watch. And I was like, oh, are we almost out of time or something? And then I, it was very, it was very awkward and abrupt. And I said, what? And he's like, oh, I just, and I could tell from what his whole, the whole way he was gesturing that he was like kind of saying, I think we should move on. And then I suddenly felt shamed and I felt embarrassed and I felt like, oh, maybe he knows something I don't. And maybe I am actually ruining my career by talking about this. And maybe I opened up too much. And then, I mean, it was like a perfect um, encapsulation of the debate I've been having, which is when I don't talk, I feel pent up and I feel like I'm not being true to myself. But then when I do talk, I feel like I shouldn't. And this time, the you shouldn't came from within the house. It came from within the show. I do think Dustin meant well. Uh, but listeners, that's you guys, have been super upset about that. And like, I, we, you, you were just about to say what we've been waiting for you to say for so long. And you didn't. And that's frustrating. And even Daniel was like, I really wish that hadn't happened. And, and he wishes that he had stepped in and, and kind of, I don't know, prevented me from not it prevented me from allowing myself to then censor myself. I don't know. It was a very authentic moment, though. It's authentic to, to the debate that I have about all this. However, the whole point of what I was trying to say is that I just want to free myself of this debate because you know what? This love bus has, has no brakes and we're headed straight to fuck you, Bill. Anyway, uh, a friend of mine, I'm just going to say who it is. It's super fan Megan. She's super awesome. She emailed me a piece by an incredible writer that she found really inspiring. It's by me. I must have a drop for that. I mean, come on. I've never felt so ill-prepared drop-wise. Come on. Isn't there anything here to, to indicate that I'm aware that isn't there any, I need like a real self-congratulatory song. 
Alice and he wants your iTunes comments. Alice and he wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. Anyway, it was a link to a column I'd written a while ago addressing these very things. And it was crazy how much, how far away from all of this I've gotten. And I just thought, because I can't imagine a more blowhardy thing to do, I thought I'd read just some bits of it to you. Uh, and here we go. I've been thinking a lot lately about the urge to be open and transparent versus the urge to hide and protect. I'm someone who believes the way out of uncomfortable feelings, or rather one of the ways out, is to simply let go of the need to present a tightly controlled image and instead discuss most everything publicly. I do this on my podcast, Alison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, on The Adam Carolla Show, and in writing. At worst, it constitutes a TMI, and at best, it's therapeutic. My most embarrassing moments have all been discussed on the podcast, along with my fears, insecurities, vulnerabilities, and risible flights of fancy. And I think that that whole thing was just an excuse to use the word risible. Possibly it's pronounced risable. I think it's risible. There's a strength in taking the thing you're most afraid of sharing, the thing you're sure that if exposed would change the way people regard you, and just blurting it out. And the best part, the thing that convinces me that more people should do this, is the stream of emails I get from listeners telling me how much it helped them to hear me speak honestly about things people normally conceal. I don't come from a world where the... Excuse me... (laughs) Stumbling over my own words, am I? I don't come from a world that encourages this. The majority of my family is much more private. They are of the school of thought that says there are certain things you discuss publicly and certain things you don't because it's simply not safe to be open. You're allowed to be open within the family. That is safe. But out there with strangers, you have to pretend to be something you're not. Something a little less fallible and a little less vulnerable and a little less genuine. It's not the worst message in the world. And for all I know, it might allow you to get ahead in business or avoid being the target of schoolyard bullying. Perhaps historically, this kind of fundamental distrust was necessary for survival. But at this point, the idea of pretending to be something I'm not offends a very core part of me, because the suggestion is that who I really am, who we all really are, is somehow not okay. And if there's one thing I hope to impress upon people, it's that whoever you are, exactly as you are, is okay. And then it goes on. But it was kind of crazy to me that thing that I set up there about simply letting go of the need to present a tightly controlled image, because I think that's what I've been doing. I mean, in a, not a hundred percent of the time, because I haven't controlled a tight, tightly controlled my image at all. But if I'm being honest, um, if I'm, I guess what I'm, I'm realize I'm, I'm coming to realize that, the effect of what happened at the beginning of the year, I'm still feeling the effects and I'm, I'm not feeling all of them. I mean, I think that it was shocking and it felt like a betrayal and it was traumatic is too strong a word. Uh, but it was, well, in the sense that a traumatic experiences is one in which you can't feel your feelings at the time and you feel they're delayed. I heard that was a, a definition of trauma at one point in a sense, I guess it's like that. Like I think that I went into this sort of survival mode um, because I had to cont- put one foot in front of the other. Although even that sounds melodramatic. So it's not like I was like, oh no, you know, what will I do? I wasn't like, like a uh, Scarlett O'Hara eating a pickle in Gone with the Wind. It's a pickle, right? Turnip, potato, I don't know, you know. Um, it was very clear to me how to, to keep going and to, but 
I didn't skip a beat. I mean, I didn't even miss an episode. Like very quickly, I got Dining Room Studios up and running. I got the new Thursday show crew. I got a new producer. Like it all happened very fast. And I think that I've just had my head down. I've just been like moving ahead. Um, But when I think about it, there is this fear because suddenly I am on my own and I don't have what I think was a safety net before. And, you know, everyone in show business has this fear of like, what if I slip into obscurity? What if I never work again? What if I this? What if I that? And I would interview people who talked about it, but I personally didn't really feel it because I knew that tomorrow I come in here and I do a show and I had this weird... Um, I was sort of in between a day job and being in show business because I had the structure of an everyday job. And there's a lot to be said for that. It also, you know, has all the downsides of that too. But it does afford a security that I think allowed me to really stroke myself when it came to like, I'm just going to truly, I'm just kidding. Uh, Or am I? I don't know. It it didn't cause me to be so nervous and so worried about what I'm saying as, as I have been in the last few months. And I think that also has to do with feeling suddenly like there's this current of people who are um, waiting for me to fail, hoping I fail, angry at me, saying shitty things to me. Now, there were always haters when I was on the Adam Carolla show, but the tenor has shifted a bit and I noticed it shift after Adam did that show where he listed all the, the reasons that he fired me, none of which I think are the real reasons that he fired me. But, you know, I think that, and I know that a lot of my listeners are also Adam Carolla show listeners and I would never ask you to choose. I'm not asking you to choose. Uh, so when I talk about Adam Carolla show listeners, I'm not talking about you guys. Um, I think there is a small but vocal minority. And for all I know, it's like eight people. I don't know. Um, who, no matter, you know, it, they just, if he says something, then they're like, yes, boss. Uh, also, people who work for him are like that. But <laughs> uh, so now that I am like enemy number one, persona non grata over there, they're just all about letting me know how much they can't stand me and everyone in the public eye deals with this to a degree. So I'm not playing a tiny violin, playing a tiny viola. Hold on one second because Wendy is now climbing onto the table and she's trying to eat uh, a microphone windscreen. She wants to play with it. Hold please. Wendy, don't do that. Wait here. Play. Oh no. Oh no. She's uh oh. going to have to pause this. Okay. Hang on. I'm back. I'm wondering if, uh, so I'm using the recording device. Obviously my producer is not here and I press pause on it and I'm wondering if it left a weird sound, uh, on the recording. I guess I'll find out when you guys tweet me. Anyway, fuck. What was I saying? I was saying, oh yeah, I was talking about the the feeling that there's haters. Um, so I made the decision two nights ago that I am no longer going to read any message boards. And this was a decision I'd made a long time ago because the Corolla message boards when I was on the show were especially vitriolic and I would go there and I would read them. And then I would find that it would actually make me I was more self-conscious when I was speaking because I could imagine how they're going to react to everything. And I was like, this is doing me no favors. 
it's not making me be more creative. It's not make it's not freeing me up. If anything, it's a waste of time and it's feeding a negative part of me and it's not helping me. So I'm just going to stop going there. And it was very hard at the beginning. It's kind of like a compulsion. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys are like me, but it's sort of like refreshing Twitter repeatedly, which is another thing I've been thinking I need to, to cut way back on because it doesn't help you to get anything done during the day. And it ultimately both on the small scale, it doesn't help you get anything done because it's a time suck. And on the large scale, it doesn't get any, help you get anything done because it robs you of your ability to, to be creative without worrying about how every tiny thing is going to be perceived. So anyway, stopped going to the message boards, never looked back. And then recently, I've been perusing Reddit because once I discovered Reddit, I was like, oh, here's a place I can go uh, to sort of see the reactions, but it's not so toxic but it's not helping me to read people's conversations about every minute aspect of my show and that was the thing even while I, when I would go read the Corolla boards way back when I was still reading the board the the discussions about his show but I stopped ever reading anything about my show because I knew even though I was reading stuff I knew if I read the stuff about my show it's going to totally fuck up my ability to get this show up and running. So it was the very beginning. But lately, I've been reading all sorts of stuff about my show and about his show, and it is fucking with my head. So I realized this isn't helping me at all. I don't think this, I don't think these conversations are representative of what most people think. I, you know, and by the way, it's not like people said, hey, Allison, we invite you to come listen to us say, say bad things about uh, every, every one and everything that you hold dear. Um, it's almost like I'm eavesdropping because this is a place for people to have conversations about the content that they enjoy or don't enjoy. That's totally fine. I totally get that. It's like, there's not really a place for me there. Um, but it's also really hard not to read a bunch of stuff about your, about you. So anyway, though, I made the decision, this has become the new Corolla boards for me and I've got to stop going here because it, it, um, it skews my perception of what the audience actually is. And when you have a head full of haters, it makes you think that that's what everyone thinks. And then everything you say, you're sort it's like sort of through the filter of think, how are they going to react? Which by the way, and here I'm going to draw it all, bring it all the way back. Um, you know, Adam talks all the time about how it's so hard for rich people nowadays <laughs> and everyone fucking hates rich people and, and, you know, people need to just give millionaires a break and blah, blah, blah. And first of all, uh, like, I don't know if he realizes he's not the 1% that people are talking about. Like he is, when people are upset with the 1%, they're not upset with the self-made millionaire. They're not upset with Joe the plumber. They're upset with Goldman Sachs. But I, anyway separate point um but i was thinking like who was he talking to where is this coming from this sense that oh it's so unfair the way people just come after rich people and they just rich people just can't catch a break they're the new minority um and i was thinking well you know my sense is that that's what his origin family like that that was kind of that is what he was raised in that's what his parents thought and his parents are kind of like again i don't know them i don't I, I only know from what he says. But uh, you could imagine that his parents are sort of the original haters for him. So in the same way that I walk around with like, you know, 
angry commenters in my head and it colors how I might communicate. I think that he walks around with the attitudes of his parents in his head. And so everything he says is, is as if the entire world is going to hear things like they do and react like they do. That's how I can understand that disconnect between how uh, rich people are actually regarded and how he and Dennis Miller seem to think they're regarded. Anyway, since I've opened up this can of worms again, I'm going to finish what I had started to say before Dustin stepped in. And it'd be funny if once I open my mouth, all of a sudden I turn and Dustin's in my apartment. I'm like, how did you even get here? Okay. I had started addressing what he said about what happened in Chicago because he claims that he asked Brian and me to bring stuff to the show, stuff to talk about because, you know, we're doing two shows back to back and he was running on fumes. And in between the first show and the second show, he said to us, do you guys have anything? And I said, nope, (laughs) which sounds so unlike me. And Brian said, no, but I can come up with stuff, which sounds so unlike Brian. I love Brian, bless his heart, but I am so, I'm very codependent. I'm a people pleaser. If someone says to me, do you want this? Even if I don't, I'll be like, um, I, and if I say I say no, then for the next 45 minutes, I'll be like, fuck, should I have said yes? Did I hurt their feelings? My point being the idea that he would say, do you have anything? And I'd be like, nope. And then walk away is, is so not true to who I am. It is true to who Brian is. Who Brian is, though, again, bless his heart, he just is not, he's not codependent in that way. Like, he's fine with just saying nope and then walking away. Um, So Adam is misremembering what both of us said. But anyway, he's also misremembering what he said. What he said was, do you have anything that you want to make sure we get to? And I said, no, but I can come up with stuff. Meaning I have stuff. I always, if anyone came to a live show, they saw this. I always had a stack of papers with me. In fact, I used to joke that I was turning into Dr. Bruce because he always brought like reams of paper with him. Um, I always had a stack of paper with me and I had a notebook where I jotted down things and I knew, I knew what the job was. The job was the minute you get on the plane and even before, if you can keep your eyes and ears open for anything that you can bring up because at any point you might need to add content. And I think I was good at that job. So of course I was prepared, but my understanding of what Adam said was, is there anything you're dying to get out? And I was saying, no, I don't need, I don't like, I didn't think he had a buck slip and he was taking, you know, writing down stuff. And it was like, no, I'm, I don't need to make sure I shoehorn my shit in there, but I have stuff if you need it. But that's not how he remembered it because I think that he was already invested in seeing me as another person who's letting him down or not doing what he wants or doesn't care about him or whatever, which is not only a thread that goes through all of his stories, but well, actually, I'll, I'll ask you. I was going to say I think women get, women get it even worse. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Actually, maybe women and men get it equally in his stories. So that was Chicago. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether to go into the other stuff or not. Um, yeah, you know, another thing that bugged the fuck out of me was this idea that Lynch send, sent me news stories and I never used them, but Lynch was collecting a paycheck on sending me stories. 
uh, and and Lynch got tired of sending me stories, so we stopped or something. But he's not a tattletale, so he didn't even tell Adam that I had stopped using his stories. Okay, first of all, the entire time that I received news stories from Lynch, I was just like, what a fucking nice guy that he has moved all the way to Lowell, Massachusetts, but he's still sending me stories. That's so nice. I had no idea it was part of his job or that he was collecting a paycheck on it or any of that. Secondly, I did use some of his stories. Um, He sent a lot of evergreens and top 10 lists, and I would use those a lot. I mean, they were like invaluable to me when we would do live shows, when we were banking shows. However, I thought it was because I had been told it was my segment and I was allowed to choose which stories we did. And I felt like after four years, I had a really good sense of what's a good story for Adam and what isn't a good story for Adam. Uh, And if anyone had ever said to me, we want you to use these stories instead of those stories, I would have done that. In fact, oftentimes I'd show up and there'd be a story sitting on my desk or they'd hand me a story and I would throw it in. Like I, I was very agreeable. I just got the sense because it's what I was told that it was up to me. Uh, so, and though this idea that somehow it's my fault that he was paying Lynch because I wasn't using Lynch's stories. Was I the fucking manager here? No, like that's between all of you guys. But if you had included me in any of these conversations, I could have helped you out. I'm also confused. Like what exactly is the charge here? It wasn't that I didn't bring in news stories or that I wasn't prepared to do the news. It's that what I did too much of my own work. I showed too much of my own initiative. I find the whole thing very confusing. All right. I'm trying to think if I have anything else I want to tell you. Um, hmm. But what I was saying before about everyone being totally perfect in the way you are and that we shouldn't be so afraid to be honest, that in my core is what I believe. That's who I am. And I feel like I've allowed myself to get away from that because of anxiety or fear. And I just, it's a process but I want to try to get back to who I really am. And thank you guys for bearing with me and for sticking with me and for understanding. And, you know, I kind of hate that I even singled out haters because the vast majority of you guys have been so awesome and have given me so much support. And that's really who I should be singling out. So thank you so much. It means so much to me. Like every day I get emails that make me smile and that make me feel understood. And I know that you guys are who I'm really talking to because the people who don't like me aren't going to like me no matter what. And I shouldn't even wasting my time trying to turn them around. They're just on a different kind of love bus, which is probably not even a love bus at all. It's um, a hate you go. All right. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in Monday. Casey Wilson is the guest. She is awesome. And then um, Lisa May is going to be the guest the following week. Lisa May, formerly of K-Rock. She's going to tell her side of of things. And that should be really, really interesting. Uh, And um, don't worry. I'll be back with bonus. And Daniel will be back as well uh, with bonus episodes now and again. Who knows? We'll see. Not exactly sure what the schedule of that is going to be. All right. And now, because I have to, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner. (laughs) Those words came out in a strange way. Click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It does help out the show. Thank you guys so much for your Amazon support. Thank you so much for your PayPal support. PayPal links are on the right side of my website, alisonrosen.com. We have a ringtone. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. 
You can get that by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. The next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and the former Thursday gang. Search Allison Rosen in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Those are $1.99. Um, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email me, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F show at gmail.com. And I've been putting little behind the scenes videos up on YouTube. So that's youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, but actually lately I've been putting them on Facebook. So I'm going to sound like a grandma here, but I forget. What is it like? Sign up for like my page, sign up for my page, subscribe to my page. What is it that we do on Facebook? But my I'm at facebook.com slash the Allison Rosen because uh, not the Allison Rosen was taken, I think. Okay. I love you guys. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 